We're not in the fitness business. We're in the education business. And so Mm -hmm. we're trying to help people to become better aware of what they need for their activities Mm -hmm. rather than saying, I can coach you in X movement, which I can and which we do. But it's it's beyond that. It's it's the concepts of being able to say, okay, is this really going to help you for the activities in your life in a positive way? Mm. And do it in a way where it's not getting in the way of your life. It's it's mm-hmm. it's accenting and helping as a supplement. Welcome to This Thing Called Movement, a podcast exploring our relationship to movement and how it impacts every other aspect of our lives. I'm your host, Marie Janicek movement guide and co-founder of Evolna, an intuitive movement lifestyle company, helping people create a more fulfilling relationship to their body and self. Through my work in the fields of dance and fitness, I've always been deeply connected to movement and fascinated by how it shapes us. Join me as I dive into conversations with esteemed professionals from a variety of fields and backgrounds. Together, we'll gain insight into their personal movement experiences, the transformations that resulted, and how movement has affected their lives at large. I hope this podcast inspires and empowers you to create a more authentic relationship with your body as you experience the tremendous ripple effect movement can have on all other facets of your life. New episodes will be released on Friday mornings every other week. In the meantime, enjoy. Hello, everyone. I am beyond honored to welcome today's guest, Ryan Hurst, co-founder, head coach, and program director for GMB Fitness. Ryan is deeply passionate about movement and incredibly dedicated to showing people how fitness can be redefined to become a more sustainable and enjoyable part of everyday life. In today's episode, we discuss the importance of understanding the why behind our movement choices and how it helps streamline the path to results, the prevalent myths of fitness and how they actually limit our health and well-being, and finally, the significant benefits of being process-oriented in our movement practices rather than fixated on results. Ryan shared so many pearls of wisdom here between his professional and personal experience. So without further ado, let's tune in. Welcome, Ryan. It's so wonderful to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. So you've been a guest. I've been really excited to bring on pretty much ever since uh, we founded the podcast, but I would love to kick things off with just learning a little bit more about you, your story, where your movement journey began, and how it led you into founding GMB and your work today. Yeah, long story. I'll try and keep it short. Uh, (laughs) Again, I'm really excited to talk to you, so thanks again for having me. You started very young age. uh, Very young, I was in gymnastics, and very influential person in my life, Mark Folger. He was actually my physical education. He's my PE teacher in elementary school. And I don't think it's so much as he scouted me so much as like, he just saw that I took an interest to the stuff that he was teaching in uh, the PE class. And we're talking like really, really young. And um, he's like, you ever heard of gymnastics? You want to come try it out? And I was just like, okay. And I tried it out and really fell in love with it and ended up doing gymnastics until I was 18 years old. I competed on the gymnastics team. Again, he was my coach. And so uh, fabulous, fabulous coach. When I hit junior high, I also got interested in martial art and along with Boy Scouts. So growing up, there's basically kind of like three things I was doing. It was gymnastics and Boy Scouts. And then I added in martial arts. So Not too much time for studying, but we move around doing a lot of stuff like that. And so the Boy Scout side of it would have me camping. And um, that was my big thing was hiking and being outdoors. And I loved that kind of stuff. That just really, really 
just ugh, loved it so much. And my dad was a huge influence with that. So there was the gymnastic side of it. There was being outdoors, hiking long distance uh, with packs and, and, you know, just got into uh, rock climbing and, and just everything, you know, canoeing and everything. So then we added in, or we, I say, I added in martial arts. And so martial arts are actually what brought me to Japan. And so after graduating from high school, I actually had an injury. I injured my knee and I couldn't do gymnastics anymore. And I, to be honest, I was kind of done with gymnastics. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, I just want to focus on martial art. And so I did. And that's what brought me to Japan. I ended up doing an exchange program when I was in university or college, as they say in the United States. It was only supposed to be for six months. And I just loved it so much that I ended up staying <laughs> and, ex- <laughs> and, and extending that. And so I was there and I was doing kendo and judo. And my kendo instructor took a liking to me. I ended up moving in with his family. And I did what's called a uchideshi, which is a live-in student. And so mm-hmm. uh, I would you know, study with him. And it also obviously helped with my Japanese by being in an environment where literally no one spoke English. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was doing everything in Japanese and, you know, going to school and everything was in Japanese. And so that helped a great deal. I got the opportunity to uh, practice martial art with the Japan Self-Defense Force and the police because my instructor was involved with teaching in both of those. And so went back to the United States, graduated, immediately came back. And yeah, so I went to University of North in Japan. And um, though I live here in Osaka. And so I've been in Japan over 25 years, but in Osaka proper, I've been here about 24 years. And so during that time, ended up working um, at a martial arts complex within a shrine. And I worked there for eight years. I was doing martial art as well. I really got into yoga and also really got deep into wanting to learn how I could be better for the things I was doing. So for me, it wasn't like I want to exercise more. It was how can I be able to move better for the things that I want to do? And that involved me learning about, you know, going back and studying, whether it be general fitness in terms of general fitness in the eyes of most people, where that would be lifting weights, where it, you know, just general health, looking at yoga, as well as different movement patterns from different areas. I got involved with fitness organization, ended up just diving into it and pretty much everything I do, that's my fault, but also maybe a strength of mine is I don't just put my toe in. I kind of just like jump in and I want to do it like really deeply. So just all like, <laughs> yeah, all the way. It's like, Hey, I want to study Japanese. Let's go to Japan. You know, hey, why not? And, uh, but yeah, I, I just really, that's all I focus on is that one thing. And that's what I was doing at that time. I was just, I want to get better. And so it was a fitness organization that I got involved with because it was martial art related. So it was where they were training and said, okay, using these particular movements in order to move better for grappling. And judo at the time was my main activity. I was competing a lot in judo over here. I was training not just at the martial arts complex that I was working at. I would also go to the castle, which was super cool. A guy from Wichita, Kansas, you know, ends up going to this literal castle to practice (laughs) judo with all these people and just get his butt kicked every single day. And then I was also, from that though, um, I met a guy who was training at the police, not police academy, pardon me, but the, uh, a police station. And I got invited to go and work with them. And I ended up competing through them. And mm-hmm. so I was, I wasn't not police or anything like that at all. But in Japan, a lot of the judo practices are held at police stations. Um, it's not a station, but yeah, kind of like, I guess you could say station. And so I ended up doing judo with these police officers and everything. It was great and a little bit different there. So you had the competition side of it. And then you had like some of the more, I don't want to say self-defense, but more of the like more realistic, if you will. Yeah, so I exactly. had the opportunity <laughs> to do that. Yeah. 
and it was really cool. And then I was also, uh, at the time I, I got involved with uh, what's called Shorinji Kempo, which is um, a striking, kicking, throwing art as well, working my way up in the ranks with that. And of course, continuing to do kendo. So it was really like martial art, but my job was actually the fitness side of things and helping people to move better for those activities. And so this is where I met my two business partners. And so this is where I met Jarlo Ilano and Andy Fawcett is with that organization that I was involved with. And so in that organization, I ended up working my way up to becoming the program director for them and helping with the curriculum. And I would actually go around the world uh, certifying people in that particular fitness uh, system. And that's where Andy and Jarlo and I uh, met. Andy actually was living in Japan at the time and he came to my gym that I had here. And so we were able to actually meet in person a lot. Jarlo and I, first, it was just, of course, on the internet, but we would meet at, at seminars and we became very close. And then one day we were just like, hey, let's let's try this, you know? And, and we ended up starting GMB. And in the very beginning, it was really just, you know, let's teach some cool shit. You know, I don't know if I can say that, but I mean, that's kind of what it was, you know? And it was just kind of like, it wasn't like, okay, here's the plan and let's do the not at all. It was, it was just like, Hey, let's try this out and see how it goes. And at that time, let's see, I was, you know, I was in my thirties, my young thirties, uh, early thirties, sorry. And, um, I blew my shoulder out in judo. So I wasn't competing. I couldn't compete anymore. And this was after I had reconstructive surgery and I have a screw in there. And so it was like, okay, I'm just going to be focusing more on the fitness side of things. And that's really where I got deep with that. And um, just kind of took off from there and started with our first, we had a program together, which is actually yoga based, but our first, I guess you would say official GMB program was rings, was a rings program, mm-hmm. gymnastic mm-hmm. rings. And that's where it started. And, mm-hmm. you know, from there, everything has really changed. And I mean, of course we could get into like all the nuts and bolts, but rather than focusing on the skills, the exact skills, which in the very beginning, it was kind of, of course, like looking at, like, if you want to do this, if you want to do this. Now we're really, you know, moving, trying to, we've always tried to do this, but make it more about the method and the concepts. And we've mm-hmm. always liked to say that in GMB, we're not really teachers or coaches. I mean, we coach, but we're not fitness we're not in the fitness business. We're in the education business. And so we're trying to help people to become better aware of what they need for their activities rather than saying, I can coach you in X movement, which I can and which we do. But it's it's beyond that. It's It's the concepts of being able to say, okay, is this really going to help you for the activities in your life in a positive way? And do it in a way where it's not getting in the way of your life. It's 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 accenting and helping as a supplement. And like a supplement for food, if you don't have the other stuff in check, then even if you add a supplement into it on top of it, it's not going to help. So there's a lot of other things in there. And that's why we really focus on making sure that you have your why down. Why are you doing this? You know? Is this really important? Do you really need to get the full front splits? (laughs) Chances are no, okay? And so, Mm -hmm. you know, just be good enough to be able to do your activity rather than thinking that you have to have the front splits because someone tells you that you have to have the front splits or whatever it is that's out there. And so, like, that's why we have the handstands and all these skills, but want to be really clear okay is this truly going to benefit you for that activity that you want to pursue and it's a tough one it's a really deep deep question that a lot of people actually don't think too much about because they're bombarded so much about you should look this way you should move this way you should be this way rather than saying okay is that really me and that's why you won't you know You'll see me do things, but I always want to be very clear that this is me after all these years of doing all this stuff, and that was good for me. And this is simply a way, a tool to be able to try and help you to find what's going to be better for you 
by using these methods and the, the concepts that we give you that can be applied to whatever it is that you're trying to do. So I just threw a bunch of stuff out there. But oh my anyway. gosh, no, it's fine. But like that last bit that you're talking about, like, is this something you really need? I'll never forget going into the tier X program back when I worked at Equinox. And yes. as, as we were ramping through that, we had, we were sort of had mentors to take us through the process as though we were clients. And when we were going through the questionnaire, you know, I had like one of my goals is, you know, getting um, strong first certified and yeah. Yeah. And my mentor was like, why? And I said, because I want to be certified in it, but why? Because I want to be strong but why? And I started to realize like the reason I was even pursuing that certification was a lot more around this intellectual reasoning rather than like an actual authentic reason. So, you know, it wasn't that I wasn't actually strong. I just sort of thought like, oh, if I can do this certification, which by the way, to the listeners, like strong for certification, you don't just learn the stuff. You right. You have to train to get certified, which actually doesn't usually happen in certification. So it's a big deal. And, and I remember being like, oh, I don't actually know why I'm pursuing this. I'm pursuing it for this illusion that by having done this, I will be strong. I will be worthy of my title as a trainer, you know, and all these other things that weren't really justified in it. And how often do we step into a workout class or start to try and learn a new skill, like you mentioned, or just put us through ourselves through any regime, because there's some sort of unsubstantiated illusion around like, well, if you do this, and this means you're fit, <laughs> you know? Exactly. And it's not just fit. It's, it's, and because my background and Andy and Jarlo, uh, the three of us, our background is all in martial art. This is talking about the martial arts as well. Why are you doing a martial art? I mean, truly, why? Why do most people join? And I don't want this whole conversation to become about martial arts, but I mean, this can be a catalyst for basically anything in your life. I mean, really, truly, is it because you, you know, what is peeling back the layers of the onion? What is at the core going on? And, you know, going even, you can look at, okay, a person is saying, okay, I want to have six pack abs. I'm like, cool. You can get those, no problem. But why? And not even why, but okay, what are you going to do once you have that? And looking at it that way as well. So, for example, coming back to the front splits, it's if if you, not you, but if a person were to actually say, okay, all right, I thought I really needed the front splits, but but what I just need actually is better hamstring flexibility in order to whatever, kick higher or do something. Or bend down and touch bend your, down and pick you, up, know? <laughs> you know, do something, right? Yeah. That actually takes off a huge stress of which you did not even realize and thinking, oh, I have to do this. No, you don't. And that's kind of a relief. And that's a freedom, if you will. And I'm not saying that, again, I want to be very clear. If you want to get the front splits, I'm going to help you get the front splits if that's truly something that you're after. But it's sometimes people can get so sucked up into that feeling of thinking they have to do something because that's what they see right in front of them. And that's all I'm trying to get at. And I'm really trying to do this more in my life. A lot of people talk about New Year resolutions and things. I don't have those because I'm just like, I'm focusing on the stuff that I'm always trying to think about going deeper with. And a big thing with me is like, what is that one thing that I want to focus on? Just that one single thing. There's a book, I'm sure you've heard of it called The One Thing. And, you know, it just looks at that and says, all right, what is that one thing that you can be focusing on that's actually going to help for whatever it is that you want to be doing? And so it's trying to me as I get older, especially, you know, next year I'll be 50 years old, but it's like, okay. I don't want to do more. I want to look at the thing that I can focus on that's going to allow me to do the other things. But by focusing on that thing, it's going to help me to do less of something so that I can continue doing it. And so whether it be my martial art right now, I'm not trying to learn more techniques. I'm trying to really look at a single thing and get better at that one particular thing. And actually, that's going to allow me to spend less time doing that 
so that I can spend more time actually doing my martial art. You know what I mean? So, or whether it be my fitness in terms of me, instead of trying to do all these different skills saying, all right, what is that one skill that I can be doing right now that's actually going to help me for some of the other stuff and spending more time trying to focus on that rather than saying, okay, here's program. I'm going to throw this in there and put this in there. And I want to do the plants and the one arm handstand and this, you know, blah, 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 and everything. And I'm just like, hold on, hold on. Where do you really want to be? Okay, great. Well, reverse engineer that and try and look at using and cycling things and just focusing on one thing at a time and building off of that so that you're constantly having this upward performance spiral of where when you come back to something, you're at a higher level of understanding and it's better and it grows and grows and grows. And so it's it's so difficult. And this is where programming, having a good coach, having a very clear understanding of where you want to be, not just in your exercise, but in your life. I mean, this is a huge topic and it's a difficult topic. And for a lot of people, especially right now with the way the world is, who knows, you know, but yeah. like, we haven't spent time with that question, right? You know, yeah, it's tough. You're talking about what you guys are really doing within the GMB methodology. I love that you're talking about this simplifying, right? Like trying to figure out what's the one thing that you can focus on that isn't going to supersede your time and energy into things you really want to be doing. And what I love about GMB is that you guys do such a great job making fitness more accessible, simplifying the processes so that people can not only like find these performance improvements, but also actually find better alignment and functionality as well. And something I'm curious about, because I think we're already touching on this a little bit, are what are some of the myths that you guys are having to debunk for people through your methodology? So very simple things that we hear a lot of, and and this is going to be a very generalized way, but like saying that actually exercise should be painful. And I know that sounds weird, but to be honest, if you think about pain, I'm not talking about directly like pain within the body, but there's that mental pain of actually putting pressure upon yourself and thinking that you have to do something. I mentioned this before, but but really kind of, not kind of, but really trying to get beyond that and saying, okay, it doesn't have to be this way. And we don't think it should be that way. It's what is going to be good for you, period. That's it. Okay. No pain, no gain. This is a great example. Okay. You mentioned us simplifying things, and I want to be clear that simplifying things doesn't mean it's going to be easy, (laughs) right? It simply allows you the opportunity to focus on something and keep it simple so that you're able to get in massive amounts of volume, and that is practice. And so this is the other thing that we see out there is that thinking that, People should work out. Now, I like to say, you know, I don't call my workouts workouts. I call them sessions. And the reason why is because we're looking at practicing movements. And within our sessions, of course, we have a section of that. We have what's called a five five Ps. And uh, I could go into that a little bit later. But within this session, a small component of that is our workout, air quotes, in which we push ourselves, And that's what we call that section. And literally like push, that's what we call it. Because this is where the majority of people live in their workouts. They think I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to, you know, crank out X and I'm going to get my sweat on. I'm going to push myself to the point where I'm going to throw up. Mm. If I don't have delayed onset muscle soreness, DOMS, then I have not worked hard enough and if I don't have the most perfect session, part of me workout every single time, I'm a bad person. Hmm. I don't agree with that at all. And I think that if we were to reframe the way we look at things and say, all right, let's look at having a session where we focus on the aspect of practice and we use the components around fitness of what we're doing in order to help us for those particular skills If we can reframe that and notice that each and every day, whenever we go into our session, it's not about that single component of working out. 
It's about the totality of saying, okay, I'm learning something. What did I learn today? Which you will always learn something. Therefore, I am improving. Therefore, I had a good workout, air quote, okay? Which is a session. And so the reframe that I want everyone to look at is every single time you walk into the gym, it's not about trying to get yourself to throw up and push yourself so hard that, you know, you're at that point. It's not about pain. It's not about, you know, thinking you're a bad person because you might not have been able to get your PR that day. It's not even about, to be honest, getting your PR. And the thing is, is what are you doing that day that's going to be good for you so that you can continue to improve and your PR happens naturally at a time that's good for you? instead of trying to force yourself to get that at that time. And we call this auto-regulation. So this is simply looking at being better aware of yourself, what's going on in your body, and looking at your your workouts, if you will, revolved around your lifestyle. And so if you have children, if you have a business, and you're really pushing yourself hard to try and take your business to the next level, you have to change other things in your life. And people talk about balance, but there is no such thing as balance. And balance simply is it's spending more time focusing on one aspect and not spending enough time on that other aspect because you have to do it that way. But understanding that that's fine because that's your focus. And this is where coming back to the thing where us trying to help people to reframe the way that they look and the things that we're having to deal with is people out there saying, you can have it all and, you know, do it all. And, you know, I wake up at 430 in the morning so that I can get in all of this different stuff. And, you know, I did this. What did you do today? And, you know, okay, great. I get that. And there are different points in our life where we need to challenge ourselves particular times. You know, when I was doing judo, it wasn't about where I am right now in my life, where I wanted to help other people and be a better person so that I can help bring other people up. It was, I'm going to get on the mat and I'm going to crush you. And if you get in my way, well, I'm going to crush you even more. Okay. That's, that was me <laughs> in my life. Right. And so what I'm saying is that this reframe is dependent upon where you are in your life. But the reframe, again, I think is applicable to everyone in the sense that if you are able to truly listen to what your body needs that day and you actually did that, you're going to see improvement. And the trouble is that a person goes into a session, their session, and they they practice a particular move or they do their workout and the workout wasn't as good as they thought it should be and they feel bad about it. Or they go home and they're absolutely exhausted and get down on themselves for not pushing themselves to do something once they get home that they think they should be doing, even though they're exhausted and probably the best thing for them to do is actually chill. And so, you know, not just in the workouts, everything, everything is related. And so this is really where... You know, I think the importance of that why is not only important, it's beneficial and necessary because that can always help you twofold for those days when you really don't want to do something and you say, okay, I, I don't want to do this. And then you think back to your why and you go, okay, but this is actually why I decided to do it. Therefore, I'm going to step on the mat. This is a phrase that I like to use a lot. My judo coach, remember him telling me this when I was just like, I just don't feel like doing it today. And he's like, hey, man, just step on the mat and let's see what happens. And so there's those days when you really don't feel like doing it, but just step on the mat. And we say this in GMB until it's, a, you know, everybody else like, hey, just start the warm up. Just start the prep. We call it prep. Just start the prep. Let's see what happens. And there are those days where you start the prep. You don't really kind of feel like it, but you're like, all right, I'm just going to start with the warm up. And you realize like, okay, wow, I am feeling a little bit better. And then you start working a little bit more and you get into the practice portion of it and you start doing the thing and you're like, holy crap, and you lose time and you get into the flow state because you're so involved with it. Before you know it, you have one of the best sessions you've ever had, Mm -hmm. but you started off not wanting to do it, but you stepped on the mat because you thought back to your, why am I really doing it? You have those other days where 
you know, you're just like, oh, yes, I'm ready to crush it today. And you get on the mat and you're just like, wow, things are really going like I thought <laughs> they should go. Yeah, And, you know, even though on the piece of paper, it says that you have to do X exercise for so many reps and so many sets because you use auto regulation, because you're being true to yourself, you are listening to your body. You are aware. You say, all right, things aren't happening. They aren't going well. So today I'm actually going to modify how I do things. I'm going to bring it down a little bit. And rather than pushing myself so hard, I'm just going to focus on how beautifully I can perform this particular movement at a high you know, level. And then that's it. I'll call it a day. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I cool. love that. The auto-regulation, it, it's something that's so powerful. And we do it so automatically in other things, right? We do it with temperature. We do it with light, you know? And, and then when it comes to moving our bodies, it's like, we throw that out the window and then like force ourselves to live within an entirely different subset of rules. But, you know, I, I've had so many experiences, like, just like you've talked about. And then I've even had the examples where like, I stepped on the mat and I didn't feel like it. And I like allowed myself some time to start something. And sometimes I got the signal was like, not today, honey. And I was like, okay. So I went ahead and stepped off. But even just the practice of stepping on and giving yourself even two to five minutes to feel out the water, feel out the temperature of where your body's at in relationship with where you want to go is so valuable. And so I love that you mentioned that. I love that you took the time to draw out all those examples too. Well, thank you so much. And and again, this is, it's, this is, it makes sense. I, I mean, it's not like it's like, earth-shattering new information this is stuff we right, in know in some ways it is like because we you know? have to apply it in this vein right <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but i think back to myself you know the example i gave you before where i was young and i was just like i'm gonna get on the mat and crush you it was like nothing else mattered i was never gonna get married and i was never gonna have children because i'm doing a martial art okay got married i've got two children you know, best things that have happened to me in my life. And so the thing though is, is I remember back in those days where it was like, because I felt that nothing else mattered, I treated my body like crap and I just kept going and pushing and, you know, just why would I want to take a break? You know, and, you know, whatever. Whereas, you know, hindsight, everything is hindsight. But the thing is, it's, it's like, especially right now in my life, as we get older, we do get more comfortable in being able to say no to things because we're, we're becoming, I don't say that we have a clear idea, but that we're, we're getting closer to kind of peeling back that onion to get at the core where we really want to be. And it takes a long time, right? And you're always constantly shifting because as we grow older, things change, priorities change. But again, it's, it's one of those things where I think it's very applicable and, our times right now, but be kind to yourself and be kind to others. And I think that this is more of this awareness and that auto-regulation because there are times where it's not just trying to say, you know, like kumbaya, hold hands, that sort of thing. There are times where, you know, you need to bring, you need to bring it, you need to bring it and to yourself and to other people. And it's though being better aware of when those times are appropriate, I think is really what I'm trying to get after. And so the more reflection that you can do, which is a part of what we do at the very end of our sessions, we have what's called ponder. And this is what, you know, interesting that a lot of people don't do this, which, which again, this is one of those things like over the years where I just assumed that people did this sort of thing. And, you know, and maybe that's because I'm just always just like, okay, I did this today and I kept a journal of like when I was doing like martial art moves and other moves, you know, whatever it is. I'm just like, all right, doing this. And like, how can I get better at this? Like that ponder and taking a couple seconds and just saying, all right, so this is what went well today. This is what didn't go so well. And this is what I probably this is what I want to, or probably should focus on for the next session. And so just take a little bit of time to do that. And I think that if we could actually also do this at the end of the day, I think that 
everything is related. And at the end of the day, you know, say, okay, what went well? What didn't go so well? What didn't go so well? And why? Mm-hmm. And then say, okay, well, then tomorrow, this is going to be something that I can focus on. And just choosing one thing to focus on. I think that's also very important because we can be very hard on ourselves and say, well, this sucked, this sucked, this sucked, and this sucked. Okay. And you're like, no, just choose one thing. Okay. Just be like, what's one thing that went well and why? What's one thing that didn't go so well? Why? What's one thing tomorrow that you can focus on and how? And so looking at that way, you know, in your sessions and in your business and things like that, we can all, we can just become so overwhelmed that we're just like, where do we start? Again, like anything, it's, you got to step on the mat, but before you step on the mat, it's always good to have a general plan of what you need to do. And so this comes back down to your why, everything to me. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing a podcast with me right now? I mean, you don't need to answer this, but I mean, like, (laughs) right? You know, it's just like these decisions and like, is this helping me towards where I want to be for what I want to be down the line? Yeah. You know, looking at it like that, it's pretty deep. And I'm not saying that you need to psychoanalyze every single little decision you do in your life, but but, you know, that that really helps with me. And, you know, looking at, you know, me talking with you, what is it for me? And, you know, also, I could have very easily have said no if it didn't match with where I wanted to be, if, if, if that makes sense. And saying no is extremely difficult. But I do think that we do need to say no more often to things that aren't actually helping us. Because yeah. if you can't help yourself, then you're going to have difficulty helping other people. And this is what I love about this concept of pondering, right? Taking that time, whether it's after the end of your day or even after the end of your movement practice, right? This is something actually that I implement a lot with my clients, both one-on-one in group settings and even through like the on-demand stuff that we've been launching here. It's a like a practice of sort of coming in and setting the tone for like what's going on in my body right now? How am I feeling? What's happening? Like where are my emotions? Where's my brain at? Okay, register, check, done. Like I know where that's at. And then at the end of the practice, coming back into that place and be like, what changed? What shifted? Oh, what do I, what feels different for me? And, and for me, a really key factor I really like to pull in for people is this reflection on what was the positive shift that you felt as a result and, and give yourself a moment to connect to that because there's probably a lot that wasn't so great, but if you can just find even that one piece that was unexpected or like exciting in some way or special for you for whatever reason, and, and just give it a few seconds to marinate in your body and your brain's awareness, it really allows you to feel so much more competent when you are trying to figure out how to make improvements later, just like you mentioned, like what's the one thing you'd want to improve in your next day, whether it is in movement practice or in your life. So, so good. I love it. And there's two things you said I want, on that last thing I want to add to it, if that's okay, but it's, it's- Yes, go for it. Exactly what you said. And by doing that, you'll never have a bad session where people are like, oh, I had this really bad workout yesterday. Did you really? I mean, honestly, did you really? I'm sure there was something in there that you, that handstands. Okay. Everybody's like handstand. I want to get the handstand, blah, blah, blah. And they're just like, damn it. I couldn't get my handstand today. Oh, okay. Well, first off, Handstands are like so finicky, you know, they're, yeah. it's, it's like, We're not oh, I got really it. And then all of a sudden you just didn't get it, you know, <laughs> it's just like, what? But like, exactly what you said, or what is that one thing in there that you noticed that went well? Because even you might not have been, or you might not have been able to hold your handstand like you were able to yesterday or the previous session, but there's got to be something in there, whether it be, oh, I learned a little bit more about, you know, hand placement and putting more pressure on my fingers, playing the piano, you know, to help me to hold the handstand. It really clicked. 
Cool. Success. Great. Okay. You can apply that to your next session. It's going to be even better. Those are the little things that if you can focus on, add up to the big things down the road, right? And I just, yes, so, so important. The other thing that you brought up was basically just assessing where you are that day. You start off and you assess. And this is, this is exactly what we have. We have the, the triple the, the triple A framework is what we call it. You assess where you are, you address issues that you have, and then you, you, and then you apply the necessary protocol in order to help you for that day or that session or that program. And, and so by not assessing, by not being aware, you're going to miss out on those little things. And so this is where, you know, just jumping into your workout, workout, you're missing the opportunity to bring better awareness into your body and, you know, really, truly focus on what's going to be good for you that day. By doing that, it's going to allow you to go deeper, whether it be in a particular movement, whether it be business, whether it be if you're doing something, for those of you listening, if you just do like the bench press or something like that and saying, today felt off. But if you end it there, you're missing that opportunity to figure out, okay, why? What was off? You know, and trying to, I don't want to say fix it, but address those issues so then you can apply what's needed the next time that you do it. And this is a very quick process. The more that you do it, you know this. I mean, you're the same, right? It's just like you, you that day you get up there and you start doing something. You're like, huh, wow, okay, yeah. Didn't notice that when I was walking around this morning thinking about all the other 100 billion things I got to do. You know, mm-hmm. and so like, you know, you, then you're like, okay, you just, you just assess the situation right away. You address it and then you apply. I mean, you know, Zen meditation, all the different years, you know, all the many, many years of doing that, you know, that was a big thing too. It's like you start off, you know, and then you, you assess your body that and bring the point where depending on what style of breathing that you're doing. And then you're just like, oh, this is going on with me here. You've just addressed that. And then what you do is you change it how you need to change it in order to help you to continue to, you know, meditate. When, you know, so it's a little deeper than just saying, okay, breathe, shut your eyes and breathe. But isn't that life though? And a lot of us just walk around just like zombies without really trying to bring some of that focus into what we're doing. It's assess, address, and apply, right? These are the three A's. So I think like these are so powerful and applicable in so many areas. I think even we're talking about them in the context of a movement practice here, but you could also do this like when building a business or in work life, you know, you could do this in relationships as well. It's, it's such a wonderful way to, be able to take the challenges that come your way and find the opportunity within them rather than being de- feeling debilitated by them. And I think like what we're seeing with people struggling to be open and to be exploratory in their movement practice and with their bodies like is also parallel to like the struggles of being able to create any sort of change in their lives. Even if like there, it's a matter of like, finding what they love or, you know, going after a dream that they have that they're scared to do, right? These are such similar paths and experiences at the end of the day. Finding the opportunity. I love that. That's exactly it. And yeah, because as you mentioned as well, like we will tend to focus on the negative as as, as human beings. We do that when there's just so many seeing and working with so many people and they're just like, they do something. And the first thing they do is they're like, Oh, I made a mistake there. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of maybe being like, Oh my God, I just like totally nailed the move before that, you know? (laughs) Yeah. You know, and, and bringing awareness to that. And I think celebrating the little wins is also important. And Mm -hmm. so the other thing that you mentioned is that, you become competent in a particular movement. And I think that leads to confidence as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so by going back and saying, okay, that might've not been the best thing that I've ever done in my life, but the, the this thing though was pretty damn good. Okay. So I am getting better. So, wow, cool. And understanding that as well. And I'm not, this isn't a cocky thing being like, oh, I just, 
you know, like that. It's just really, truly like moving beyond all that and just saying, all right, wow. You know, compared to when I did this before, that felt better. It doesn't matter if you nailed something at all. It's how does it feel to you, I think is so, so important. Because again, if you start to compare it to another person, you know, if I were to look at my handstands compared to someone like um, Yuval on hands, I mean, no, obviously they're going to be very different, you know? And so saying, okay, well, compared to me where I was a couple of weeks ago or whatever, it doesn't matter. And start looking at it like that and even going deeper saying, all right, on video, that's what it looks like, but what was I feeling? And this is the other thing which is also different or difficult to do is actually try and get to the feeling because this comes back to our original thing of your why. And basically everyone just wants to feel better. That's all it is. Like, why do you want those six pack abs? Because you want the feeling that you think they'll give you. <laughs> that they'll think you'll give you. Okay, great. Let's focus on that feeling. Yeah. But also get you some six pack abs if that's what you really want. And yeah. so this is the thing that I like to tell my trainers when they go through, you know, our training program, our apprenticeship is give the client or the student what they want, but more importantly, give them what they need. And a lot of people, you're kind of still working on that need as you go. And it slowly starts to come out. But it all starts with yourself. You know, yeah, I want to get the planche. I'm like, okay, cool. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's really figure out whatever. And and this isn't again. So this isn't me being cocky, but this is something that my um gymnastics coach just I remember this is just how it was. I, I never really celebrated when I got a particular movement because I always knew I was going to get that movement. And that sounds really weird, maybe. And again, it might sound cocky. It's not being cocky, but it was because my coach always told me he was just like, if you just put in the put in the time doing quality work and focusing on that single thing, it's naturally going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, when you get it, say, sweet, I got it. Then move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And so celebrate those little wins, but understand that it's just a little win. And then you still got something else that you can always work on if you want to. But it's, it's, it's just, you know, one point in that map as you're working, you know, going towards a particular thing, you know, take the time to, you know, sit back celebrate the fact you got this far when they say, Hey, listen, you know, we got the other stage where we want to go. And this isn't like to push yourself constantly. I'm just really saying, okay, the why should be deep enough that along the way, those things that happen are simply as they're happening your entire life. And again, it's a very, very deep way of looking at things, but, but I, I just always liked that because it was always, okay, put in the hard work, know what you need to do, know what you need to do. You know, keep it simple, put in the work and, you know, do it with high enough, the quality at a high enough level, it's going to happen naturally. That to me was huge. Yeah. So that's why when a person is like, I want to get the planche, I'm like, okay, that's totally cool. Let's first figure out where you're at. We got to assess the situation. Then we're going to address what's going on because we know exactly where you're at. And then the application process of that is simply, you know, the reverse engineering of saying, okay, this is where you're going to start. And for a lot of people, it's not as sexy as they think it's going to be. And, no. <laughs> yeah. and then the other part of that, of course, is you got to embrace the suck. And what I mean by that is you got to understand that you're not going to be good at it. You're not going to be good. So you have to embrace the fact that you will suck. And the mm -hmm. faster that you can say, wow, I'm not good at this at all and go cool and yeah. it's going to allow you just to continue to step on that mat and do the work yeah i i've noticed in my work there's a real fear about being a novice and sucking at stuff i know yeah. 
I definitely have that too. But in my experience as a dancer, I didn't really have a choice to care about how I felt about it. I just had to go no matter what. It was like exercising that muscle of, of being like, I'm going to throw my body into this position because that's what the choreographer wants. It's going to, yep. I know I won't look like that, but we'll see what happens. Right. And, and that repetition of doing that, you start to not be afraid of that so much, Right. but you know, so many people, especially if they haven't had the incredible gift of being like that immersed in their body in like all these different ways and, and haven't been embracing the suck in a while. It's been a couple of decades after being stuck behind a desk, like, that's a really scary place to be, but it's, it's such an important skill. And, and it's so important because it allows you to just be uncomfortable in the unknown. Yes. It allows you to be yes. comfortable in change like this last year, right? Oh, God, yes. People yes. who'd already been embracing the suck, <laughs> you know, when this hit, they were a little bit better prepared and, and exactly. better able to like ride those waves. Looking at a person who's coming back into fitness or coming into this movement world kind of sounds silly to say that but from a background where they're not used to doing it and us wanting to say okay here's where you start here's how you start and we're keeping it simplified to the point where it's going to allow you to just do a little bit at a time and to be able to get success with that for what that success means to you so that you have the confidence to want to come back and continue doing it. And it's those those little steps, exactly what you said, like the two of us, we were just kind of like our coach or, you know, choreographer was just like, I want you to do this. And we're just like, okay, you know, we do it. But that was after many, many years of understanding that we just had to do it. And so it's also the other aspect of trusting in the process, right? And knowing that there is a process. And I think that this is what can be extremely difficult for people is they go into something new. It is all new. They don't know what's to come because there's no way for them to know what's to come because they've never been through it. They're scared. And really the fastest way is to actually just let go which is the most difficult thing to do. And you know, it can be so difficult to put all your trust in a person and try to stick with something and say, okay, you know, the first two weeks, it's the honeymoon period. This is a lot of fun. Woohoo! Yeah, I'm doing this new stuff. Third week comes around. Fourth week, you're kind of like, huh. You know, I, there's some other stuff I think I want to do. Maybe I should add that in. And maybe I should, or maybe I should be doing this because I'm not quite seeing the results that I thought I should have after doing it a couple of times, you know, or whatever, right? And so trusting in that process is a big part really of simply letting go. Again, we could talk about outside of fitness in terms of everything that we do in life. But yeah, just like what you said, it's as as you do certain things, there's a certain point where you do just have to go, okay, I'm going to throw my body in the air because this person tells me to do it. And the other part of that though, is that you know that you have the physical autonomy and the wherewithal to understand what your body can do so that you can even start to do that. And you know that it's not maybe not going to look the way that that person wants it to be, but you know that with practice that it can be that way because you do understand your body. And like I said, have the physical autonomy to know what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Well, as you were talking about process, this was actually a, a thought that was jumping up earlier in our conversation, how so much of what you guys have developed with GMB and the structure of it is all about process over results, process over outcomes. And it was even back when we were talking about like when you hit those pinnacles, right? The pinnacles are really small in the vein of the journey along the way, both before and then what comes after, like the why. And I, I have found for myself that the more I've approached my relationship with my body and the movement practices I engage in, whether it is, you know, dance or improvisation or, or like specifics like strength training and the kettlebells, like if I make it about the process, it is so much more fun it is so much more enjoyable. I'm so much less likely to be harsh and hard on myself. And then I also pick up so much 
exciting, unexpected revelations in the steps along the way. That it's yes, I, I so so good what you just said, and and we miss so much when we're focusing on the sparkly, shiny thing at the end of the road. Yeah, and we're all guilty. I mean, me, you know, too. It's just like, oh, I want this. Okay, yeah. Over the years, I've been able to do this, so therefore, I should be able to do this right now. And even you know now, like an example, I'm always wanting to learn something new. Okay. And so I choose one thing at a time that I want to focus on and then do it. So language has always been a thing that I've always enjoyed. And then last year, and I don't know what it was like, April, I was like, I want to learn Spanish. And I was thinking, okay, I speak Japanese, my English, eh, but you know, my Japanese is pretty good. Okay. Went to university over here. I was like, maybe I can, you know, do okay with Spanish. And it was one of those things where I knew it was going to be tough and everything, but I was kind of just like, after, I don't know, a couple months, I was feeling pretty good until I started speaking with some new people. And I was like, oh my gosh, my Spanish sucks. Okay. <laughs> but then realizing, okay, you've only been doing this for a couple months, you know, it's going to take a long time. You just got to trust in the process and and stop thinking that you should be able to speak fluently. You've got to put that aside and just be like, okay, you're going to suck. Trust in the process and just get in the repetitions. But like you were saying as well, there's so many different things. It's, it's just putting in the time and putting in the work. Mm-hmm. And over time, it will happen, you know, if you focus on it. And so mm-hmm. we're all like that. And so that's why I also think it's very good to, to reach out and, well, branch out, pardon me, say branch out into something that's completely new, you know, and from time to time to kind of remind yourself that while you might be really good at something, okay, doesn't mean that you're going to be really good at something else just because you're good at something like this one thing. And so this is where I'm always trying to learn and I'm really trying to bring myself back into all the time of, you know, what they said, the beginner's mind of saying, all right, here's a different way I need to look at this and really trying to practice and continue practice learning something new and being bad at it. Because I really do believe that this helps with empathy for when working with, with students and, you know, that sort of thing, because we tend to forget that, you know, as you get better at something, it's why can't I, why can't you do this? What, you know, I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's good to know you're developing empathy when you were real. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are times where you're just like, uh, no, no but, I mean, yeah. it's, it is, I noticed this for myself too. In quarantine, one of my like, gonna suck at the beginning projects was um, learning how to bake sourdough bread from scratch. And my first few times doing that, I was like, gosh, I wish this woman had told me the list of things I needed to do when I messed this recipe up rather than just like what to do when you hit the steps. Like what happens when shit goes wrong? Um. (laughs) That is so good. So what you just said, sorry to interrupt, but I think that's huge, right? And this is something actually that I don't think a lot of teachers focus on. It's it's okay, here's how you do it. Ba ba ba. Give it a try. And you're just like, oh, I got this because I know exactly what I gotta do. And like after the first step, you're just like, what? Oh. <laughs> like, like oh, it no. me, what is it? Because you were talking about the bacon. It was like, like they have that thing, nailed it, where they show like what it's supposed to look like. And then yeah. a picture of what it was, you know, it's like, I remember doing that, like with just recently when I was doing this martial art form, I did it and I was like, oh, that felt really good. I watched the video. I was like, <laughs> there goes my awareness of thinking that I know what, my body feels like when I'm doing something, but um, <laughs> dude, that's so awesome that you're learning, you know, to do that. I think it's cool. Yeah. So, now yeah. I have sourdough down. Like now I can teach people, but right, it was right. interesting. Like that, that understanding, that awareness, the humility also being right, right. Like, yeah. realizing, Oh, there's all these steps 
that I would have wanted to hear about that, you know, I can probably talk about more when I'm leading people. And so how do I do that better? And it it just allows us all to grow, you know, both teachers and students in the process. Having kids too actually helps. And I used to have a gym over here called the jungle gym where it was kid where I just taught kids. And, um, that was also great too, especially when my kids were going through. So that, that's when I started the gym, that was really kind of why I wanted to start the gym was just basically have an excuse for my kids to be able to like do silly stuff with me all the time. But the thing is, is my kids were so different than the other kids because they were just like, well, I'm daddy's daughter, so I should be able to do this. And her getting so frustrated because she couldn't do something like a cartwheel or something like that. And so. So me actually looking at it through that lens and saying, okay, how can I better help her in a way that is going to allow her not just to get the skill, but to understand that she's not, you know, things just don't magically, you don't just watch a YouTube video and think you can do it. You know, <laughs> like, like there's a process and you got to trust. Mm-hmm. So that was big for me because while the other kids in the class you know, we're just like, oh, I couldn't do that. I'm going to try it again. My daughter would really get upset, you know? And, um, I mean, part of that, she's got my DNA and competitive nature, which poor girl, but, but yeah. So that was the thing. So you mentioned now you can, you know, start a bread like it ain't nobody's business, right? Because you spent the time understanding that it's not going to be very good. And you've, you've made it so many times now that you can do it. So like volume. And that's what I was getting at, you know? get to a point where you just keep doing it and you just keep doing it, just keep doing it and it'll naturally happen. So, well, I, we could talk about so much here for so long, but I think we're going to wrap it up with fine, one final question, um, which is sort of looking back um, on your life, which health and or movement habits do you wish you would have started practicing earlier? Yeah. So, okay. This is really interesting to me. And it's kind of funny. It's actually breathing. And the funny thing, and I say it's funny, is because over the years, I've done so many different styles of breathing, whether it be my martial art, my Zen meditation. I don't know, just so many different styles of breathing. But the one style of breathing that I really wish I had started earlier and something that my wife and I, my wife is an acupuncturist over here in Japan, that we constantly are reminding our kids to do is to shut their mouth and breathe through the nose. And it's it's huge right now. There's a book like, I think it's, it's Breath. It's called Breath. I think it's, is it James Nestor? I could be, I could be off, but Breath. You've got Oxygen Advantage, which is great. But I mean, we're talking just like the basic, basic stuff, like when I was a little kid, that was just the one thing where it was just like not being a mouth breather. And because I still have allergies from time to time, even now my nose is a little congested today. And so coming back to being able to breathe through the nose and, and having things that I could focus on, specific things that I could use for my daily life. I'm not talking about during sports because that is something that I spent so much time focusing on is how to breathe during my sports. When I really wish I had spent more time simply being able to use, to breathe in a natural way that would keep me calm throughout the rest of the day. And yeah, that, that's that's a big thing for me. So it's it's actually not even like movement or anything like that. It, it's, it's that. And I think that coming back to the movement, sorry, I know this is getting long, but Movement's great, but if you can't apply that stuff in terms of the concepts and the principles to what you're doing outside of your movement practice, then I think you're really missing out. And so, you know, how do you sit? How do you walk? You know, how do you carry yourself? How do you feel? How do you feel? And just use the movement and the exercise. That should be the supplement to the other stuff that you do in your life. Oh my goodness. Such a good final point because... I'm going to like go off on that a little bit too. Yeah. When I got into my meditation practice, this was like the big eye opener for me. It was about how to bring that state off the cushion, how to carry 
Lord in my life. That's the real practice, right? The the specific practice is a place to sort of like plant that seed. But then what are you doing in the rest of your day to continue to like water that, you know, add sunlight on it, let it grow, let it flourish? Because it's not actually just about the meditation. The meditation is behind a bigger and deeper why. And the same goes for why we're moving, why people put themselves through rigorous and extreme movement practices. It's because they want to feel strong. They want to feel vibrant. They want to feel amazing in their bodies, confident as who they are. And so if you're not building that in the movement practice itself, you have less of a chance to be able to thread it through in your life. And so you want to, like you mentioned earlier, you want to select those practices that allow you to build that in the rest of your life outside of the mat. Yes. Ah, so much more I can say on that too, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So good. Oh my goodness, Ryan. This was such a wonderful conversation. I'm so excited about it. And I know I definitely want to bring you back for another episode. Well, that would be fabulous. I absolutely enjoyed it. I want to learn more from you too. So I, I just want to say thank you for having me and uh, sharing your words of wisdom. So Aww, that was thank great. Thank you so much. This, this was so great. And thank um, you. So honored to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in with us today. You can find contact information and all references made during the show in the show notes. If you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and spread the love by sharing with family and friends. If you want to learn more or would like additional support in your movement relationship, head to our website at evolna.com. Be gentle, be generous, and be good to yourself. And have a beautiful day.